Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. I trust that you had enough to eat. There's still a few items back there. We're going to get set up here. We're going to invite uh, the other two gentlemen up here that are going to be speaking with me, uh, Tim Kleiner and Andrew Haas. We're going to, I'm just going to lay out what we're going to do so you kind of have an idea where we're going with all this. We're going to actually talk about, have a discussion about man's greatest fears. Now, there are many issues that men struggle with, not just sexual temptation or addiction, pride, ego, and anger, which are those which, you know, are most often identified. Uh, there, there are many issues that are not often addressed. I mean, such as loneliness due to lack of friends um, or the lack of healthy and meaningful relationships. Fear, shame, unworthiness, inferiority, you know, are just, are just dealing with life's demands as a head of a household and all the pressures that goes with that. There's so many issues. And men risk their lives in combat, fighting fires, doing courageous acts all the time. But yet, men are not always fearless because we have things that, that we have to deal with that, that are affecting our lives. But I believe, um, and what we're going to address today are the three things man fears most. Rejection, irrelevance, and disappointment. And we're going to address these three fears from moving from a negative to a positive. Moving from rejection to finding acceptance. And Tim Kleiner is going to address that. Uh, moving from irrelevance to relevance and Andrew Haas is going to address that. And the final point of discussion will be disappointment, moving from disappointment to fulfillment. And so after each of us speak, we're going to go about 10 minutes. Tim will share 10 minutes. And then we're going to have discussion questions on, on the screen. And then we have facilitators at each table that are going to help facilitate these questions. So it's just the discussion. Now, we're not going to ask you to pour out your heart and show all your feelings. That's hard for men to do, okay? But it's just having a good, healthy discussion to open up dialogue and, and so forth. And, and uh, when you came in this morning, you had an opportunity to fill out uh, some information, and, and we would like that contact information because at the end of the meeting today, we're going to give you some things of looking forward, going forward, what can we do? And I think a clipboard is being passed around to get, uh, there should be one at each table, to get, yeah, the contact information. So take a moment and fill that out. There should be pens available as well. So with that said, um, we will start with Tim. So we're going to give you the mic, and he will be talking about rejection, moving to acceptance, finding acceptance. All right. How's everybody doing today? Did you guys get enough to, to eat? All right. Well, before we get started, why don't we just thank Pastor Matt real quick and just give him a round of applause for, for putting this on. We love and appreciate him, and we're thankful that we have a pastor here that cares for you guys, that wants to see you develop and grow, and, and wants uh, to see a strong, healthy group of men in, in the church. Um, 
So anyways, I, what I'm going to talk about is rejection and acceptance. And I think no matter who we are or, or what background that we've come from, each and every single one of us has faced some level of rejection. So how many of you guys can think back to when you were a kid, maybe in school? Bill can think back to when he was a kid. That's a long time ago, Bill. <laughs> but any, anyways... Think back to when you were a kid, maybe on recess, playing with um, some kids in the school, and you remember how when you would play a game or a sport, you'd pick two captains, and one captain and all the other kids would stand in a line, and, you'd, and each captain would pick who they want on their team. And how many of you guys may have been the last one picked? Right? So lift your hands up. Don't be afraid. Now, see, all the cool kids were the last ones. So the rest of you guys, you must have been the, the cool kids. So everybody who raised your hands, you cool kids, then you, you should take these guys out to lunch, all right? So any, anyways, we've all faced some level of rejection. And so it may not have been being the last one picked, but it may be something more serious. Maybe you've asked some girl out on a date before, and bam, you got shut down and rejected, or maybe even something serious yet. Maybe you were bullied in school, or as an adult, maybe you went through a divorce and there was rejection. Or I think one of the the, the biggest rejections that men faced is rejection from their father or their parents. You know, there's been kids who grow up and they hear the words, I wish you'd never been born. That's a, that's a rejection, that's a wound that penetrates the heart of us and that can affect our lives and change. It can really change our course and, and, and how, how we see ourselves and how we react to other people then. So my own personal story, um, I grew up in a family, and we moved around a lot. And so when I was a kid, um, up until 18 years old, the longest I ever stayed in one place was three and a half years. And so because of that, I was always in a new school every couple years. And when you're in a new school, you're faced with new, new kids, new, new people that, to, that, wanna, that hang out with each other, and you're the new kid on the block, and, it, and it's hard to, to fit in. And so you're faced with a lot of rejection. And so throughout my elementary, junior high, I was faced with bullying um, a lot. And so when I was in, um, I believe, seventh or eighth grade, we moved to a, a, a new town and went to a, a new school and was just bullied constantly there just for the way I talk, dealing with a speech impediment, or just being the new kid there. And it got so bad that in the locker room, the, the, the verbal abuse basically turned into hazing. And it, it, it was almost, it was in the um, sexual manner of, of sexual har- harassment. And so because of that, I just became very closed off to other people, didn't want to meet new, new people. And it was very hard for me um, to really connect because I didn't want to be rejected by other people. And at that time, you know, um, 
just different strains of my in my relationship with my father. You know, being in junior high and in high school, sometimes those relationships can be strained. And so there were times where, where my dad would maybe going through some stuff in his own personal life, and he would react towards me. And um, things were said to me or, or done to me that were emotional wounds that were hard. So I was getting it at school, and then I was coming home and getting it. And so those wounds impacted me deeply to where I just wanted to be accepted by other people. And I think one of the things that we do when we feel rejected by others is that we become people pleasers, trying to get people to accept us trying to get people just to, to, to like us. And so what we end up doing is we think we're guarding ourselves, uh, guarding to the way we really are, and we try to put on a facade to try to please other people to get them to accept us. But in reality, what we're doing is when we think we're guarding our heart, oftentimes we harden it. And when we harden our heart, then it's hard for God to really move in our life and for us to really have meaningful relationships with other people, meaningful relationships with our friends, and as we get older, meaningful relationships with our spouses and our loved ones because we're, we're, we're hardening our heart to what a relationship should, should, be, should be like. And so um, one time in, in thinking about these things, the Lord spoke to, to me about um, a couple of, of issues here with being a people pleaser um, as a result of rejection and then also comparing myself to somebody else, not being good enough and being jealous. Jealousy and anger came out of me being rejected and taking and allowing that to harden my, my heart. And so with... Being a people pleaser, uh, one time the Lord told, told me this, and it wasn't that long ago because, you know what, I'm still dealing with issues. We haven't arrived yet, you know. We're on this journey, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit that allows us to overcome the weaknesses that we have in the flesh. We've never, we, none of us haven't made it, okay? We all deal with issues in our life. But it's when we're faced with those issues, what do we do? Do we cave in to how we were in the past? Or do we allow God in our new nature that's on the inside of us that we received when we were saved, when we were born again, do we allow that to dominate our thinking? So the Lord told, told me this. The problem with people-pleasing is it comes not from the motive of wanting to love and bless others, but it comes from a self-serving ambition that seeks to comfort your own fear and insecurity by the affirmation of others. It seeks to please others for the purpose of their praise and recognition. So I became a people pleaser not because I loved that person that I was trying to please, but I wanted their affirmation. It was about me. It was self-centered. And so, and then comparing myself to other people, you know, having a speech impediment or, or, or 
maybe my looks. I, I didn't have a, a, a nice Roman nose. I've got a, a big German nose or, you know, um, lack of hair or, 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 or whatnot. You compare yourself to other people. Or um, for me, it was comparing myself to other speakers, maybe like Andrew or, or Pastor Matt. That's easy for them to communicate. But for me, it may take, take work. Um, so I would compare myself. And so one time the Lord told, told me this. He flat out said this to me. Comparing yourself with others because of your own low self-esteem and being jealous of other ones, another person's gifting is to devalue and to despise the gifting that I placed in you. So you can never, if you compare yourself to other people and if you compare your, your gifting that God's given you to someone else's gift, then you, are, you in turn despise what God's given you. And when you despise what God's given you, then God can't use you in that gifting that he's called you to because you despised it. And that's exactly what I was doing. And so um, Robert Morris, he's got a series called Free Indeed. And uh, in, the, in that series, there's a session called Wounded Warriors. Um, and that's about a session, it's, it's really about wounds that we have faced in our life. And it's, it's really talking about the wound of rejection. And he lays out seven things, seven results um, from the wound of rejection. So I just want to read those to you. Number one, anger. I've had to deal with anger uh, from being wounded with rejection. Because when you're rejected, you develop hardness of heart and you want to lash out. When, and things don't go your way, so you become angry about it. You're, you're angry at yourself because you beat yourself up for making mistakes. So you're angry. You're mad at you. You're mad at God for allowing those things to happen. And then you're angry at the people that rejected you. That's what I faced. So number two was insecurity. I was insecure of other people, insecure of, of the way I looked, of the way I talked, um, being awkward around other people. Number three, pride. Remember I said that being a people pleaser is, is being self-focused. That's a result of pride, which came out of rejection. And then independence, being a loner. You know, I was a loner in school. Didn't have much friends. And so it, it, came, it, became, comfort, it, came, it became comfortable for me just to eat by myself. I was independent. Number five, easily offended. You know, when people would just joke around and give me a hard time. Now, I can take a joke pretty well, Okay. But there was times in my life I would be easily hurt, easily offended. If someone made fun of my stuttering, it would just crush me, okay? Number six, and there's two parts to number six, excessive shyness and loneliness. You become shy of other people, and with that becomes loneliness. You're lonely. You feel like no one can understand. No one knows what you're going through because as guys... We don't like to share our feelings. We don't like to talk about it. We tend to isolate and compress those things. 
but when we compress it, it leads to loneliness. And then it control and manipulation. When you're rejected, you want to keep from being rejected again. So you try to control and manipulate other people to protect yourself from being possibly rejected again. Can anybody relate to any of those things? I can relate to every single one of those things on that list. Now, have you ever asked yourself, why am I the way that I am? Why am I like this? Why do I respond to situations in my life the way that I do? And psychologists, they say that our personality is determined by three things. And number one is, our gen, is called genetic determinism. In other words, we are the way that we are because of our genes, because our, our, our dad was that way, our mom was that way, our grandparents are that way. It's, it's things that have been passed down gen, genetically. But then there's also environmental determinism. In other words, the environment that we grew up in, the, 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 the way that our parents or our mom or our dad responded to us, um, how our friends were, those things form our personality. And then there's what we call, they call psychic determinism. Things that happened in our life that affected our personality. And a lot of times, these are traumatic events that can affect our personality. And those are the reasons why we react the way that that reacts. So a lot of times, these traumatic events happened in our younger years being bullied, uh, hearing the words, I wish you'd never been born, or being slapped or being abused. Those things affect and they cause our personalities that can be changed. But let me tell you, when God saves you, when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I like to what's called in Christ determinism. You receive a new nature. And the things of the old, they have been passed away. And I'm telling you, where you have, have experienced rejection, in Christ there is acceptance. Um, the Bible says in Ephesians 1.6, um, Paul writes this, To the praise of the glory of his grace, by which, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Now, in the beloved there is referring to Jesus. So, in Christ, we are accepted. You no longer have to feel rejected. You no longer have to feel like no one wants you or, or why was I even born? You were born for a purpose. God knew who you were before the foundations of the world. He knew you by name, and he chose you, and he has accepted you, and he has saved you. And so in Psalm 27.10, the psalmist writes, For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. You may have been rejected by your father. You may have had a bad relationship with your dad. But where your dad failed, our father God never fails. He will take you in. He will accept you. And it's based because of what Jesus did 
at the cross because of his blood. He has accepted you. Jesus suffered in every way, in every point, like we were. In in Isaiah chapter 53, it says that he was despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. I know that the words there, sorrow and grief, can, can mean different things in Hebrew, but rejection brings sorrow and grief. And he faced that to the greatest degree of any other than any other man has ever felt in human history. If your father rejected you, Jesus felt that rejection also. Now Jesus in his relation in his trinity in his trinity relationship with the father always they were always one. They always had that fellowship with one another. But in a redemptive sense, in his humanity, he felt rejection on that cross. And he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was rejected in our place so we can find acceptance in him. He faced it. He knows what you're going through. But I'm telling you, in him, in Christ, you can find acceptance. Now, we do have a couple questions on the screen. At your table, I just want you guys just to think about this and talk about it. What does rejection mean to you? What does it mean to you? And how have you dealt with rejection and found acceptance in your life? So we're just going to take a few minutes here, about 15 minutes. You can just talk and just uh, commune with one, one another uh, uh, about that. All right, guys. Well, we're going to move along to uh, hear Andrew speak about irrelevance and moving to relevance. Now, one of the things I just wanted to add this about rejection. Very often, a spirit of rejection can be upon a person. And they're at a point where they're going to re- reject you before there's a chance that they'll reject them. You know, where they put up a defense where they just are rejecting people because they don't want people to get close to them. It becomes a barrier. Uh, but for men, it's hard for us to be vulnerable and open, especially if we've suffered rejection. But I, I believe, as Tim shared, the key is, is to find our acceptance in Christ because Jesus boy rejection. One of his own disciples who he poured his life into, Judas, rejected him. That had to be tough. But So now we're going to hear from Andrew Haas, and I like this guy. If you've never heard him speak before, he's an amazing speaker, but he has a passion for the Word. He loves God, and he's committed to serve the purpose of God for his life. He's a follower of Christ, and, and so I, I didn't really give much of an introduction for Tim uh, Tim's a good guy, and we, we do love him. And he's not rejected around th- these places here, okay? So, amen. So, take it away. Thank you, sir. Uh, whenever I get asked to do this, I always um, there's always a, a, a severe amount of uh, inadequacy that seems to come at me because uh, I just don't feel like there's anything good about my life most of the time. And... Uh, when he asked me to uh, talk about irrelevance versus relevance, I thought that's 
really quaint, Pastor. Thank you. So, uh, no, it, it, it's good. And um, I just, uh, I just one side note here before we get started. When Tim asked that question, did you were you ever the last person to get picked? Um, I was the first to raise my hand up. But did anybody notice that Dave Ray, like he didn't even acknowledge the question? He's like, "What are you talking about?" I was the guy who was picking everybody. <laughs> like, I picked the teams. Like, what kind of question is that? <laughs> You're so cool, Dave. Every time I, like, there's two people. John isn't here today, but there's two people I look forward to seeing every time. Well, three, because Mark's right there. So three people I love. When I walk into church, I look forward to seeing Dave and John, who's not here, and Mark. And, and they just make my day because every time I see them, they're, they're always going, hey, Andrew, how are you? I miss you. It's so good to see you. They're always asking me about my life. And uh, you guys, uh, you make me feel connected, which is what we're going to talk about. So um, we're, irrelevance versus relevance. So the definition that I found that I really liked in, of irrelevance is um, the act of feeling disconnected or, or unimportant to something. So when you are feeling the feeling, so let's take irrelevance as a feeling, and you know, if that's something you've ever felt in your life, where does that come from? What's the root cause of it? Well, I believe there's two. I believe it's because you're disconnected with your relationship with God or you're disconnected with relationship with other people. Acts 17.28 says, In Him, Christ Jesus, we live and move and have our being. The greatest um, feeling of relevance that you'll ever have is when you stay connected to Christ. And now that may seem very cliche, but I challenge you, okay, if you're a fervent reader of the Word, don't read it for two days and see how you feel. You see, one of the, one of the greatest lessons that I've ever learned is, is that if you don't stay connected to the Word, connected, you will never feel relevant. You'll never have that feeling of relevancy in your life unless you stay connected to the Word. My wife, she's great at challenging me on this because she knows right away. And she'll be like, hey, have you been reading the Bible lately? Because you're a little, uh, you know, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you got me, you know. So she, so it's, it's, that, it's that number one thing in my life when I know that I'm not feeling, when I don't have purpose, I feel like I'm, like James talks about a wave talking, you know, flapping in the wind. It's because I'm not, I have not been diligent for that small discipline of staying connected to the Word. That's the, that's the number one place that you will find relevancy. Now, number two, the second reason I believe we feel irrelevant is because you feel disconnected in your relationships. Now, that can be relationships with your spouse. That can be relationships with church. That can be relationship with your boss. If you don't feel like you're feeling relevant at work, it's probably because you don't have any real relationships at work. And now you might think that that's not important and unimportant, but go back to the beginning. Genesis, in the very beginning, he said, it is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for us. We were never meant to do this life alone. So um, just a, a bit of my personal story, and this is how we'll kind of move into how we feel relevant. Um, I was, I, I grew up, you know, in a very strong, um, believing uh, family. I've got a good background. Um, but when I got married, um, and through, through probably the first three or four years of my marriage, um, I, I didn't go to church, and and I was in fact I was actually pretty dead set against it. Not, not my relationship with the Lord was always very tight, but I never, I, I just didn't see the point, and I suffered greatly because of that, and my marriage suffered greatly because of that. Uh, having this connection, having being connected, you know, looking forward to seeing Dave, you know, that makes me feel very relevant, 
And, and, I'm, and I'm being very serious. Like, that makes me feel very relevant, like I'm important. And that is an incredibly important thing to, to have and feel. One of, the, one of the tricks of the enemy is to get us disconnected. This is to get us disconnected. That's why stuff like, I, I put zero value on stuff like this in the past. Like, if somebody asked me to attend a men's breakfast, I would roll my eyes at them. But I ain't going to that. I'm not doing that. You know how important this time is? And it may not be that, you know, that you walk away here going like, oh, I was so challenged in the Word. It may be that you just sat next to a brother and just had a conversation with him about something completely unrelated to the Bible. Do you know how important that is for your spiritual life? And for the healthiness of your soul. See, God cares about your soul. He very cares. He says, I wish that you prosper just as your soul would prosper. Is that in John? First John 3. This is my, my Bible reference here. When I get lost, he keeps me back. So, so let's go to those. That, so I believe the, the, the main feelings and drivers for feeling irrelevant in your life are, one, being disconnected from the word, and two, feeling that disconnect in your relationships or you know, wherever you find work, professional, personal. Uh, so how do, how do we, what is the cure for irrelevance? What do we do? What's the, how do we move from irrelevance to relevance? I believe, and I think it plays very nicely into how, um, what Tim said, is I believe we feel irrelevant. Let me back up here for a second. Most of us as men, I mean, I'll, I'll be quick, I promise, guys, I'm getting into the end here. So when most of us, we, we, the cliches, okay, yeah, we, you know, the struggles, the sexual struggles in our lives or, you know, substance abuse or um, the relationship dysfunctions that we have, you know, those are the things we talked about. My, my challenge to you, just like Tim's challenge to you, is that those things are symptoms of something that's going on inside of you. Did you know that unforgiveness can fester and then result in pornography? That may, that may blow some of your minds, but it's true. Did you know that pain and hurt and anger harbored in your life can result in substance abuse? Can result in things? You see, God created our sex drive. God created those things for us. And what, what is the, this is a classic adage, and it's so very true. Pain seeks pleasure. Pain seeks pleasure. So you're, you're trying, so if you're struggling, if you, you say, well, I'm, I'm just I'm struggling sexually, or I'm struggling with anger, or I'm struggling with, did you know, my, my, or I'm struggling with feeling irrelevant, and therefore I'm, you know, going to substance abuse, pornography, whatever the case may be. My challenge to you is to pursue healing. Find healing. You see, you may be, you, you, you may not know, but you may have, you know, it, it may be, uh, you know, my, okay, let me just say this. When I came here, my wife and I came here, we were making the decision on whether we were going to get divorced or not. We come here, and it was a process, and I'm thankful, let me just tell you, I'm thankful for this man, and I'm thankful for his wife, because they, they walked us through some very hard times in, in our marriage, but we, we began to pursue healing. And as we began to pursue healing, the symptoms that were in our marriage began to go away. And as we began to pursue healing and, um, with our relationship with God and other people and each other, the symptoms that we were, quote-unquote, the sins that we were baggage to us, you see, that, those, were, those were just things that came up because there was so much hurt and pain. See, when Phil, or I'm sorry, Tim... There's too many fills in my life. But when Tim 
Tim was talking about being rejected. Do you know how, like, like that can, rejection in your life can create an extreme sense of feeling irrelevant and can create symptoms and manifest itself in sin. And we spend so much time as men talking about all the sin, the sin, the sin, sin management. Exactly. Jesus on the cross set aside sin. He doesn't, listen, he, he, he thought about sin for thousands of years prior to Christ. Now he's done thinking about sin. Let me just tell you that. God isn't sitting around thinking about your sin. God thought, see, when he sees you, he sees Jesus. He dealt with your sin. And I'm not, that's not an excuse for sin. You hear me, this is not an excuse for sin. God, God dealt with your sin on the cross, and he wants you to stop thinking out about it, put it under the blood, move on, and pursue healing. Pursue healing. My, my, my path from irrelevance to relevance is to pursue healing. God said, in, he said in the Psalms, David said in the Psalms, that you are intimately acquainted with all of my ways. I challenge you that if you are, if there are things in your life, if you're feeling irrelevant, um, pursue connection. But pursue and ask God, say, Lord, because your, your subconscious is his. He created that. And the trauma that was Tim was talking about, that, that's an automatic response process that Romans 12, get your mind renewed. That's how that has to happen. The word has to renew your mind. I, pursue, I, I, I challenge you to pursue healing. Pursue healing in your relationships. That's where you can find that connection. When you, when you, when, you know, if I, if I have an offense towards Dave, you know, I, I may not know that that's why I, that I have just this general sense of anger hanging on me, right? But when I pursue true connection with him, I have to find healing with him. And all of a sudden, that pain that was producing sin goes away. The desire for it goes away because you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. So when you find that healing, and it's important, find that healing. When you find that healing, you'll find that the Word of God all of a sudden becomes alive and the Holy Spirit comes. And all of a sudden, you don't have that desire for pornography or substance abuse. You see, there's nothing wrong with your sex drive. God came to redeem your sex drive. God's so for your sex drive. And my challenge to you is that most of you aren't sexual enough, and that may blow your mind. But let me just tell you, God came, God created every bit of it. God created every part of who you are. So pursue that in Christ in the light of finding healing. All right, amen. So I might have went over. I apologize. So the two questions we have uh, is, do you feel valued and understood as a member of your family, workplace, or society? And do you feel driven by purpose in your everyday, in your everyday life? Why and why not? So we'll give you some time to discuss those questions among yourselves at each table. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, why don't we move on? We want to honor your time too. Um, I really appreciate what Andrew shared. Um, I think he brought to light some things that we often don't consider and really dealing with our issues and, and really seeking healing. Uh, so often we're, we're dealing with something and God has a different approach. And I think when we truly find relevance, it's going to always be rooted in the, in the word and who we are in Christ. So I'm going to address the third point here called disappointment. And we want to move from disappointment to fulfillment. Now, when you think about the word disappointment, uh, 
the word appointment is in there, so it's really a missed appointment. And I don't know what you go through when you miss an appointment, but there's a lot of things that, that occur. You let somebody down, you don't show up, you should be somewhere where you're not. And so that can cause a conflict, it can cause issues. So disappointment is one of those things that can cause issues in our life. And the reason that we chose this as one of our greatest fears as men is because all of us experience disappointment. And what disappointment will ultimately do, it will leave us unfulfilled in life. So we can end up living an unfulfilled life because of disappointments that we've encountered. And if we haven't overcome those disappointments, we'll be left unfulfilled. So the outcome of disappointment can result in unfulfillment in your life journey. And fulfillment is something I think we all seek for. We want to be fulfilled in life. And disappointment strikes us in a way that prevents us from fulfilling our dreams, from fulfilling our visions, and accomplishing what we were born to do. I believe that I said earlier that there's seeds of greatness in all of us. And those seeds of greatness, actually, they need to be planted. They need to germinate. They need to grow. But some people never fulfill the purpose that God created them for. And, and that's a sad thing. And I think uh, the result many times is because of disappointment. And one thing I, I came across I thought was good, the more you wallow in disappointment, the further you are from getting back on the road to success. And every one of us really desires to live a fulfilled life. And sometimes somebody will say, well, just get over it. Just move on. But sometimes those words are not enough because the disappointment can go deeper than that. A disappointment is a close cousin to discouragement. Have you ever been discouraged? It's usually because of a disappointment that you've encountered. And how can we rise above our disappointments so that we can no longer live in discouragement? And so we, we want to just maybe address some of those things. Uh, life is not all, always a celebration. Uh, so we need to be ready to courageously face disappointments when they come because they will come. Have you ever been disappointed? Now, disappointment can come in actually three areas. You can be disappointed in yourself and your performance. You let somebody down. You failed someone. You, you, you messed up big time. So you're disappointed in yourself, and that brings self-condemnation. And then secondly, you can be disappointed in others because they let you down. They failed you. Uh, maybe you put expectations too high on someone, and you're disappointed in their performance or uh, how they did not treat you like you thought they should. <coughs> and then there's... Excuse me. The third area is disappointment in God. And so people tend to blame God. They get mad at God. They, they say, God, you let me down. And that begins to put a wall and people distance themselves from God because of the hurt and the heartache. And, but but that's, that's wrong. That's, uh, a person who blames God, it's, it's because they're, they're short-sighted and realize God's on our side. We need to always recognize that. Now, there's a quote um, by a guy. I don't know if I'm going to pronounce his name right. It's Edmund uh, uh, Mbilka, M-B-I-L-K-A. But he's a self-help writer, and he's got a lot of quotes. And, and he, he makes this quote, Life is not always a celebration, so be ready to courageously face disappointments when they come. 
and be sure to grow stronger and wiser from them. Uh, another quote he, he, he makes is, it's impossible to notice how blessed you are if you're always focusing on your weaknesses and obstacles. Isn't that true? Now, nothing hurts more than being disappointed by a person you thought had your back or someone you trusted, someone you were close to. Nothing hurts more than being disappointed by that. Now, as a pastor over the years, the greatest challenge I've had is people disappointment. God's never let me down, but people have. People that I had high expectations for that disappointed me. People that betrayed me thinking, what happened here? What did I do wrong? How can I make this right? And so sometimes those disappointments can set a person back. But it's knowing that we need to move past them with with God's help. And I believe one of the sources, the chief source of disappointment is unmet expectations. Something we do in, in marriage counseling, we've, uh, I, I started doing this uh, because one of the things I discovered when couples would come to me and they would have this issue, that issue, is I would think, okay, there's unmet expectations here. So have you really ever talked about your expectations? And so I had, I can remember the first time I did this, I, I had a husband and wife both make a list of 10 expectations they have of their spouse and 10 expectations they have of themselves. And I gave him a few minutes to do this. And then we started going down the list. And I said, now, don't be too quick to overreact. But you need to understand, this is why you're having issues in your marriage is because this is what she expects. And you really don't know how to meet that expectation. And maybe that expectation is unreasonable. Maybe you can't meet it. But disappointment will result because of unmet expectation. And so I believe that's something that we need to look at. Maybe we're putting too high of expectation on people. And, and over the years, you know, frankly, I've had to lower my expectations on people because I didn't want to be disappointed. But, you know, sometimes I'm, I have to share a little story because uh, I can relate to Tim because my dad never verbally spoke it to me, but my mom related to me words that my dad had said to her while I was a young child, and I was near death because of an illness. And, um, in fact, the doctor didn't even think I was going to make it. He actually told my mom to take him home. There's nothing more medical science can do for him. And so, uh, fortunately, you know, with God's help, I'm still here, so I didn't die. Uh, thanks to God and thanks to a praying mom. But my mom was upset with my dad, I was, it was, I was about 12 years of age, and she was just kind of ripping on him and, and all that. And I love my mom. You know, now she's a believer, and my dad came to Christ. But she came to me and, and pointed a finger in my face. You know what your father said about you? When you were sick, when you were hospitalized, and you were causing all these hospital bills, he said he had wished that you would just have died. And when she said that, it crushed my heart. And I thought, what? And, you know, in my life, I could have, how I reacted to it, I went overboard to try to seek my father's approval, to try to please him and not disappoint him. So in one way, that was a positive thing because I did not want to displease or disappoint my dad. I longed for his approval, and I, I finally got it. 
because my older brother was the favorite brother. He could do everything. My dad, it's like he was the favorite of the sons. You know, I have four brothers and two sisters, so raised on the farm. And I wasn't, I, I was somewhat sickly even as a young you know, kid. So I couldn't do all the things my brother did. He had all the muscles. I didn't. And so he could do all the things. He was more uh, uh, gifted than I was. He worked side by side with my dad. And I was more of a thinker and, and just, you know. And, but later in my life, I was able to work side by side with my dad. And, and, and God healed that relationship. But then another level of disappointment is a disappointment in your children. You know, uh, as they grow, as they make wrong decisions and choices. And when you get a call from the police department and they say, um, Pastor Matt, you need to come down here. We have your sons here. That was a call I never, ever thought I would get. And now what happened? I would have to tell you the story because everybody thinks Pastor's sons should be perfect. But I have four children, two sons, two daughters, uh, Daniel and Nathan. They're the boys. They're the older ones of the family. The girls come, came afterwards. But uh, they were doing some fun things around Halloween called Ding Dong Ditch. You know what that is? They'd pull up to a house, <laughs> and they'd run up to the door, ring the doorbell, and run. Uh, and so it was Nathan's turn to do it. And Nathan's my second son. So he went up to the door, pressed the doorbell, and forgot to run. And the door was open, and there was a man there. And so what do you what do you want? And he, he felt like threatened. And so he had a couple dogs, so he let the dogs loose after uh, Nathan. So so Nathan <coughs> I'll get this story out. So Nathan comes running to the vehicle and hops and says, Go, go, go and said, What's wrong? And the dogs are not far behind him. And then this man of the house runs out and jumps on the car and Daniel didn't know what was going on, so he said, what, what should we do? And his friend next to him that was with him said, just go. So Daniel backed off. This man fell off the car, and he drove away. Guess who that man happened to be? A police officer. And so got a call a little bit later. He said, you need to come. And actually, they called, and, and uh, the, his friend's mother, and long story short, they turned themselves in, and I had to go pick them up. Now, I serve as a chaplain for the Stevensport Police Department. Now it's at a, a county level. And so it's like, okay, here's Chaplain Mellon coming in to get his sons. Yeah. I tell you, <coughs> that was a great disappointment in me. And going in to that police station and seeing my sons there in custody, it was a great disappointment for this dad. Having tried to raise them with godly values. Now, now they weren't doing drugs. They weren't drinking. They weren't doing anything wrong. They were doing something just stupid. And the story, it turned out that they made personal apologies. Uh, they did some community service time, uh, paid some fines. But I had to meet and sit with the judge and talk with them. <coughs> We went through that whole process so they could learn a life lesson in the midst of that. And um, uh, they've never had uh, another incident with the law since that time. So thank God. So they learned their lesson. Uh, but, 
you know, personal disappointment can come in many ways. And um, so I don't want to belabor the point here, but there's a couple other things in sharing um, before we have some questions. Um, another disappointment, which often we have with God, is the disappointment of unanswered prayer. How do you deal with that <coughs> when you believe that your prayers have not been answered? And that's something that you need to realize that God's not at fault. And if you feel God has let you down, something else went wrong. And maybe you don't have all the revelation information you need to walk through that. But never get mad at God. Don't blame him for what's gone wrong in your life. He's not at fault. He's the one to help you in time of need. Don't let today's disappointment cast a shadow on tomorrow's dreams. And I believe that some of our best successes can come out of great disappointments to move beyond it, to find healing, to find restoration. Romans 5, 5, I want to share this with you. <coughs> Just now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out on our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. So there's a hope that we have in Christ that does not bring disappointment. That's a hope that we can hang on to. And it's because of the love of God that's been poured out in our hearts that we have that hope. Uh, Martin Luther King made the statement, says there can be no disappointment where there is not deep love. And when we have relationships where we've loved, we've given of ourselves, we've sacrificed, and then something goes wrong, wrong with that relationship, there can be great disappointment. Martin Luther King also, Jr., made a statement. We must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. See, disappointment is really just a term for a refusal to look on the bright side. We have to look on the bright side. We have to see past the disappointment. In the midst of my disappointment, we are not defeated. I'm never defeated, but we're only given the opportunity to rise again, to be willing to take on more challenges and new challenges. See, Psalms 19, 119, I'll read this, and then we'll have our discussion questions. 119, 123 says, My eyes long for your salvation and for the fulfillment of your righteous promise. See, God wants to bring us from disappointment to fulfillment. Because he's given us a promise in his word. In fact, the Bible is full of promises. And as you spend time to become familiar with the promises, you can find the promises fulfilled in your life as you continue to seek him and walk with him. And fulfillment, I believe, is defined as the achievement of something desired, promised, or even predicted in your life. Fulfillment is always found in right relationship with God. It's a, a vertical relationship. And also, fulfillment can be found in our horizontal relationships with men. And I, I believe that God understands our disappointments. He knows your disappointments. And he wants to help you navigate through them. Because they're going to come. 
There's going to be disappointment. I can promise you that. But you don't have to let that disappointment keep you from fulfillment and fulfillment in your lives. The two questions that we have for discussion, share about a time when you experience disappointment towards yourself, someone you love, or a situation outside of your control. Sometimes it can just be circumstances. You're disappoint, disappointed because of a circumstance that you've had to face. And then secondly, what does rediscovering fulfillment in this area look like? All right, we'll give you a couple minutes to do that. All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up here. Um, I just wanted to clarify, too, that the son, the story about my sons, uh, the officer was not in uniform or on duty at the time. But my, my boys didn't know whose door they were knocking on. They just knocked on the wrong door. They were messing with the wrong person. So, but, um, yeah. All right, we're going to invite the worship team up. We want to uh, close with a, a, a worship song and, and then just a time of prayer. We also have an opportunity. We want to present a, a video to you about a series that we're going to be starting up again called the Conquer Series, which we highly recommend for men. And also uh, looking at starting Bible or small groups and opportunities for you as men to connect with other men, even possibly uh, a meeting time before work for breakfast for those who can, but just looking at different opportunities and ways that we can connect as men. And also we do have one more final drawing, so some good things to give away, so hang around a little bit longer. So let's stand and, and worship God as we seek his face. Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.